Good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to worship at Balhelvi this morning. It's great to have you along for this special service where we are looking at the issue of uh, climate change in the light of our faith. And I'm really pleased that some members of the Eco Group are going to be helping out in worship today. And before we begin, just a, a few announcements. Uh, elders, your magazines and commitment cards are ready to be picked up in the Forsyth Hall today in the office. So if you can pick those up, and if you know folk who aren't here today, but you can deliver them to them, uh, fellow elders, I mean, you might want to pick them up too. Uh, so available in the Forsyth Hall office this morning. Um, Tuesday, 7.30 in the Forsyth Hall, we're going to be showing uh, a short film called 2040, which is looking at what we can already do uh, to help the environment because of the technologies that already exist, if we could just find the will to put them into practice. So it's, it's quite a positive and quite an affirming uh, movie, very suitable for uh, younger people too, uh, kind of older children and young adults. It's a, a positive uh, movie and I think we need some positive messages in the midst of the, uh, the difficulties that we're facing. So if that is of interest to you or you think it might be of interest to someone you know, then please let them know about it. 2040 uh, on Tuesday 7.30 in the Forsyth Hall. Uh, next Sunday is our remembrance service. I'm sure you're remembering that. Uh, remember to come 10 minutes early because the service starts at 10.50 and we'll intend to just run the remembrance service as normally as we can uh, given the circumstances. And we will have the war memorial service outside afterwards, probably at about 11.40, um, 11.45. So those are all our announcements this morning. We're going to begin today in a slightly different way. We're going to use some opening responses which will appear in the screen. And uh, if you would join in with me in the words in bold font. So this is from Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Amen. Now let's begin our worship this morning in one of the great hymns of creation, hymn number 154, How Great Thou Art.
Mary Kane is uh, going to lead us now in our opening prayer. Creator God, you love the world. You have fashioned a place of beauty, wonder and abundance. And in love, you have freely shared this world with us as a priceless gift for all to enjoy and treasure as a place where we can thrive and flourish in loving relationship with you and with all creation. You give yourself for the world, but we want the world for ourselves. In our hands, the world is transformed from gracious gift into an opportunity for gain, from sacred creation into tradable commodity from divine provision into personal possession. God of grace, free us from our self-destructive longings, for in seeking to gain the whole world, we are destroying your precious creation. We are forfeiting our lives, eating away at the very ground of our existence. Forgive us, Creator God, and remind us that we stand on holy ground. Jesus Christ, Saviour and Sustainer, you tell us that we cannot calculate in coins the value of a sparrow, the value of perfume poured on the head of one who is facing death, the value of feeding 5,000 hungry people, the value of human labour. You call us from the futility of always building bigger barns, of storing up treasure that rots away. You call us to learn from the birds of the air who do not gather into barns, or the lilies of the field whose timeless beauty and richness is to be valued in the moment, not accumulated and stored. In seeking to gather and gain the world for ourselves, we are harming the world and ourselves, exhausting, depleting, extracting, exploiting, without regard for balance or renewal. Jesus Christ, forgive us and make in us a new creation. Holy Spirit, giver of life and renewing energy of God, come to us and free us from our captivity to profit and to gain. Open our eyes to truly value and cherish this sacred world. Empower us to transform structures and relationships which undermine the integrity of creation. Release us from our desire to gain the world for ourselves so that we might enter into life in all its fullness. Amen. Thanks, Mary. All across the country, congregations are taking today to reflect on environmental concerns in the light of COP 26 in Glasgow and I have to confess I've uh, struggled to know where to start with the issue this morning. 
It's not that there's nothing to say, it's that there's far too much to say in one short service. I could go over, over the, the numbers with you, showing that whatever regular natural processes might also be at work, human activity over the last 200 years has increased the level of atmospheric CO2 to dangerous and unprecedented proportions. I could spell out the consequences if we allow the planet to keep warming up. We're already one degree above pre-industrial levels. The G20 have just agreed to try and limit that rise to one and a half degrees by 2030, but that's going to mean slashing global emissions by half in the next 10 years. If we can't find the will to do that and keep going at the present rate, we're headed for a three degree rise by the end of the century, which will have catastrophic human and environmental consequences and irreversible ones. There's so much that we might say today, but what is it going to take for any of it to really hit home? Because the truth is, in our wee corner of the world, we feel pretty well protected from this stuff, don't we? We joke about it. I've done that myself. We wouldn't mind a few extra degrees of heat in the northeast of Scotland, would we? Balmedy might become the next French Riviera. It's easy to treat the situation lightly when it doesn't seem to affect you very much. But the old timers in our part of the world tell us about harsher winters and drier, warmer summers. And that's not just nostalgia. They're right. Have you noticed how much more flooding we're getting in wintertime these days? Do you remember the awful floods that we saw in Deeside and in Veruri and Ellen a few years ago? That's not an accident. And chances are we're going to see more of it. Because with global warming, precipitation that would have fallen as snow is now falling as rain. Snow takes time to melt, and the streams and the rivers can cope with that, but they can't cope when it's rain that falls rather than snow, because the water's there all of a sudden, and it has to go somewhere. The biggest danger that we face in the affluent West is thinking that we don't have to worry too much about global warming because we're not going to be directly affected by it thinking that it's somebody else's problem. But whether it's flash flooding in Aberdeenshire or record-breaking temperatures and raging forest fires in North America and Australia, we are finally waking up to the truth that what we allow to happen to our planet has consequences for every single one of us. But the great injustice of climate change is that though it's the affluent industrialized nations who's caused most of the problem it's the world's poorest folk who are most affected by it day in and day out literally hundreds of millions of the issue of climate change is inextricably linked to questions of justice 
And from Genesis through to Revelation, the scriptures are consistently clear and obvious that God cares about injustice because he cares about his people and especially those who are poorest. I want you to meet a couple of people affected by climate change this morning. I wish I had them here, but the best I can do is speak to them or speak to you about them this morning. And I want you to hear something of what they're facing. The first is Orbisa. Orbisa is 35 and she's a mother who lives in northern Ethiopia. A few years ago, she and her community could rely consistently on two rainy seasons every year. But now, because of the change in climate, the rains don't last as long and they're less predictable. Orbisa and her children don't have enough water to survive anymore. So she walks anything up to 10 hours a day to find water for her family to drink, facing the dangers of wild animals as she goes out to collect it for them. Orbisa depends on selling livestock to feed her family, but long droughts have killed nine of her 10 cows and she's lost nearly half of her goats as well, which means less income, less food, and poorer health for the whole family. We used to get rain every four to five months, she says, and the area was very fertile and green, but it hasn't rained for six months now, and I don't know when it will rain again. I worry about my children and my family. I worry about the small amount of livestock I still have. I feel worried whenever I think about the future. That's one story from Ethiopia. And this next one is from India. This is Shakila, who lives in Ahmedabad in India. One of the things that's happening with climate change is that many places around the world are now seeing temperatures in excess of 50 degrees centigrade for significant amounts of time in the year. And Shakila lives in one such place in Ahmedabad. And in India and in many other uh, large uh, countries, the, the cities are actually worse off because materials like concrete trap and radiate heat. And so there's no respite from the heat even at nighttime in the great cities. Shakila lives with her husband, her daughter, and her three grandchildren in a windowless room with only a single fan to keep them cool. But even with that, temperatures indoors can reach as high as 46 degrees, even at nighttime. They often have to sleep outdoors on the roof, although there are times when the roof itself is just too hot to walk on or to sleep on. Dizziness, exhaustion, stomach upsets and dehydration are constant problems at those kind of temperatures. And traditional methods of keeping cool in hot climates in India, they drink buttermilk or lemon water. They just aren't working at those kind of temperatures. So more and more people are borrowing money and going into debt so they can paint the roof of their home white because that helps reflect the sunlight and lowers the temperature indoors by three or four degrees, making things just a fraction more bearable. Can you imagine 
that were the best you could do for your family in those circumstances. But this is what people are living with. It's stories like Orbisa's and Shaquilla's that remind us that global warming isn't a theory or a matter of principle to debate. It's already a lived reality for millions of people around the world as we gather here this morning. Climate justice demands that we who've caused the bulk of the problem over the last couple of centuries should do what we can do to fix it. But as Christians, there should be even more of an imperative because divine love and divine justice call us to hear the cries and to see the needs of our global neighbors and not simply pass them by on the other side because we're too wrapped up in our own comforts and our own concerns. We'll think some more about these things in a few minutes and especially what God is doing about it. But as I was preparing for today, I came across a hymn that I felt spoke into the situations that we've just heard about. It's called, If the Fields Are Parched. And we're just going to sit and watch and listen to this hymn just now.
So we've uh, looked the problem in the face, and the question is, what is God doing about it? There are many good reasons for taking the climate crisis seriously. But as Christians, the one thing that we need to always come back to as our motivation is the nature and the character of the God that we worship, seen most clearly in his son, Jesus Christ. And in Colossians, Paul gives us this wonderful vision of God's overarching purpose for the world. This is what he says. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Reconcile to himself all things. Our world is broken in many ways, environmentally, socially, spiritually. But God is right there in the midst of it, working the reconciliation and the restoration that he wants to bring. And this next wee video produced by Tear Fund helps to flesh out that thinking for us a little. Mark, we might need the volume up just a fraction, please. It's annoying how easily we break things. <laughs> what good is something that's broken? And what about the things we break that we can't throw away? The people we hurt? The situations we mess up. The unjust structures that we ignore. The ways we exert power over the poor. When it's played out on a global scale, it does more than just cause us pain as individuals. Communities, cities, nations suffer and struggle, compete and even fight. And this brokenness damages the planet itself. We are careless with this precious earth. We are greedy for all it gives. Natural resources are used up and fought over. The earth groans and suffers. This brokenness is where poverty comes from. Poverty isn't just a lack of money. It is a deep brokenness in the world that we experience in all kinds of ways. In hunger and insecurity, thirst and a lack of education, loneliness, sickness, violence and hopelessness. Our relationships with each other are damaged. Our relationship with the physical world is damaged. Even our relationship with ourselves, because we don't know who we are or where we belong. At the heart of all this brokenness 
is our broken relationship with God, who made everything in love and made it good. We have pulled away from Him and from His ways, and we are left diminished, unsure of who we are or what we can do. All of us are affected, but some of us suffer more than others. What do we do with so much brokenness? Is that just the way it has to be? We believe that God has always been interested in mending things. And in Jesus, God came close and showed us how. Jesus doesn't just patch things up. The cross and the resurrection make possible a whole new creation. Not by throwing the old things away, but by redeeming and restoring them. And as we continue to be restored and healed, and our relationships are restored, God invites us to join His work. We get to be a part of the ministry of reconciliation and restoration, and it transforms all of those broken relationships with others, with the physical world, with ourselves, and with God. It's a ministry that is bigger than us, this is God's story and God's work. And one day, we believe it will reach its climax when Jesus returns and ushers in a life of wholeness for everyone once more. Folks, we need a much bigger vision of Jesus and his work than many of us have inherited. Many of us grew up with a very privatized, individualized notion of what it means to be a Christian. But Jesus didn't come just to reconcile you and me with our Father in heaven. He came to reconcile and restore all things on heaven and on earth. And that's far wider than just us it's about the cosmos. It's about the whole of creation waiting and groaning for its liberation, as Paul says in Romans. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came to begin that restoration of the world to how God intends it to be, to make all things new. And if he's making all things new, then we can have hope that everything that sin has broken and corrupted can be restored and reconciled to God. And we are called to play our part in that great ongoing work of restoration and reconciliation that Christ has inaugurated and is continuing in the world. So the call to faith isn't merely a call to believe something in our minds, to sign up to doctrine. It's a call to participate with our hands and our feet and our hearts and our voices in God's mission to the world, however we can. And battling climate change is a part of that mission because God is in the business of redeeming his creation, 
not allowing it to be destroyed by anything. So in a world crying out in pain in so many ways, we are called to join God in that work, to participate with him, doing what we can to help reconcile people to their heavenly father, to reconcile them to one another in mutual care and respect, and to protect this great gift of creation that we have been given and that we must learn to share. In a few minutes, Caroline is going to come up and highlight some of the little changes that we can make to be better stewards of that creation. But for now, we're going to sing together again, and it's hymn number 238, Lord, bring the day to pass. Oh. 
So, what can we do about climate justice and the climate crisis? Where do we go from here? In the midst of the COP26 talks in Glasgow just now, we're all on a journey of learning more about the effects of climate change and of how our actions help or hinder some of those effects. Belhelga Church is registered with Eco Congregation Scotland, which can support us on that journey. Can you go back one? As a church and as individuals. There are three main strands that they suggest that as Christians we consider. First of all, spiritual living, helping us to make the link between our faith and environmental concerns through prayer and worship. Practical living in our lives as individuals and how we manage our church and its grounds. Thinking about what we eat, what we throw away, how we travel, how we heat and maintain our buildings and grounds. And then global living, having a positive impact on national and global environmental and climate justice concerns. The most affluent citizens of the world, and that's us, are responsible for the most environmental impacts. Many of the people and nations most affected by climate change are the least responsible for it. So how can we help? Maybe we can think about buying more fair, fair trade products and find out where our savings and pensions are invested if we're fortunate enough to have any and to show our support for those who campaign for real action, particularly the young people who have led the way in showing their care for creation. Next slide, please. Our connection with Eco Congregation Scotland can help us on our journey to improve our understanding of climate issues and lead to positive actions. There's a wealth of resources freely available on their website and including a full-time chaplain available to support churches. There's a local Aberdeen network as well as a wider North of Scotland network. Normally there are various events organised such as film screenings, talks and nature walks, though during Covid this has been limited to online webinars on a variety of topics. Projects supported by Eco Congregation Scotland include the Faith Action for Nature project, which Belhelvy Church was involved in the pilot for. This provided us with an RSPB staff member who did an environmental assessment of the church grounds, as well as hosting two successful visits to the Lock of Strathbeg Nature Reserve at Crimmond for a group of interested folk from church. A small group of volunteers have recently been working on weeding and replanting the border adjacent to the annex, using plants and bulbs kindly donated by church members. And we're looking forward to seeing the fruits of our labours in the springtime. There's also a church and community orchard project scheme that we could consider. And then finally, there's the award scheme, which has three levels, bronze, silver and gold. And this involves the church being assessed on various criteria about how our care for creation is a regular part of worship and church life and how we communicate and demonstrate this within the church and further afield. So, what next? Well, on Tuesday we've got the uh, 
film screening of 2040 in the Forsyth Hall at 7.30, so it'd be great if you wanted to come along. And then in January, we, st we plan to start using the Eco Congregation Scotland resources called Let's Talk About the Climate Emergency. So we plan to have regular discussion on relevant topics such as energy and fuel poverty, transport, air quality, plastics, etc. We also plan to make a bronze award application which requires an action plan for the church to encompass the three strands mentioned earlier of spiritual living, practical living and global living. So if we can take this forward as a church and as individuals with the intention to make care for God's creation a priority, then we can make a real and positive difference here in our own community and further afield. So please let me or Paul know if you're interested and would like to find out more. Thank you. Thanks, Caroline. I uh, just want to add my voice to that in terms of the group that we're thinking of starting into the new year. Um, they'll be getting into lots of detail about the things that we can, the changes that we can make in our lives. Sometimes the whole thing can feel so overwhelming. Where do we even begin? But it gives us lots of little ways that we can begin to make a difference. And if we all get on board with that, we can make a substantial difference to the situation. So I would encourage you to be thinking about that into the new year once we get this uh, group going. And thanks, I want to say thanks to, to Caroline and to Alan, to Mary, to the others, Fiona Miller, others who've been helping uh, to, to get these things more in our consciousness uh, as a church. I really appreciate the work that you're putting into this. And thank you for all of that. And we're going to finish our worship this morning in the words of hymn number 543, Christ be our light. Oh, I missed something. Oh, I beg your pardon. Thank you, sir. I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> We've got, yes, you, the eagle-eyed among you might have noticed we didn't do the Lord's Prayer at the start of the service as we normally do. There's a reason for that. It's because part of the resources that Tear Fund have provided uh, is um, a version of the Lord's Prayer, um, bringing in lots of different voices from around the world and expounding a little bit on what the, the Lord's Prayer means in the context of these kind of discussions around uh, climate justice. So I'm going to encourage you to pray with your eyes open, uh, to watch the screen uh, and to watch the subtitles because there will be different languages spoken as there should be in the context of a global praying of the Lord's Prayer. Um, but this is what the Lord's Prayer means uh, in the context of the very discussions that we've been having today. Thank you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Creator God, who made all things, we acknowledge as your handiwork, we stand alongside all which you have created. Trees, rivers, mountains and valleys, soaring birds and scuttling creatures, all are held within your care. May we grow in our love and appreciation for your creation, and may our awe and wonder draw us closer to you, the God of all things. Your kingdom come. Your 
The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. For you so loved the world, the cosmos, the entirety of creation, of which we humans are just one part. May we learn again how to care for this planet. As we pause and consider the climate emergency, we remember that we're praying to the Lord of all the earth. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, grant us the wisdom to care for your earth. Sharing your provision and goodness with all our neighbors. Founded on the covenant of your love. Lord God, you made the world and declared it was very good. As temperatures rise, storms rage, forests burn, and islands sink, it is the people who have done the least to cause the climate crisis who are suffering the most. We stand together in sorrow. We ask for forgiveness, for you are the God of all, who restores all relationships when we repent. Forgive us for decades of inaction and for not living in accordance with your will. As we forgive those who sin against us. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. World leaders gathered at COP26 carry a huge burden of responsibility over this world that you love so much. We hold them in our prayers. May they have humble and wise hearts. We pray for anointed diplomacy, boldness and conviction to show your love to those who have least. We pray for unity among the nations and for compelling voices and leaders to rise up so that miraculously action will begin. But deliver us from evil. May we remember that we are a global community. Our actions and choices affect one another. Help us resist the temptation to make choices for our convenience and to consider how those choices affect our neighbors across the world. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Help us respond with the radical love of Jesus. A love that disrupts the status quo and sacrifices itself to bring restoration. This is our responsibility. This is our worship. Lord, renew us in a steadfast spirit and cleanse our hearts. Renew our minds and transform our lives. Renew our world. Car c'est à toi qu'appartiennent le règne, la puissance et la gloire. Now and forever. Amen.
closing hymn is number 543, Christ be our light.
closing blessing comes from one of the full-time workers for Tear Fund in Africa. And now may God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with enough foolishness so that you can make a difference in the world, so that you can do what others claim cannot be done to bring justice and kindness to all our children and to the poor. And now go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.